Welcome to the Revolution of Interdependence podcast. My name is Will Sampson. I'm a change coach and a social scientist who guides executives and companies to new levels of growth. If you want to improve your life all by yourself, hey, that's your business. But if you want help from others, that's our business. And that's what this podcast is all about, helping each other succeed. We do that by inviting people into a growing revolution of interdependence. My guest today is Jeannie Moravitz-Smith. She's the CEO of Dynamism Leadership, and Jeannie helps business bosses show up badass. She helps them build and retain their dream team and earn massive profits. It was a fun, far-ranging conversation that centered on the question of how leaders can build a culture of trust. So if you're ready, then let's get started. Hello, and welcome to a revolution of interdependence. I am really excited today. I get to talk to Jeannie Moravitz-Smith, and Jeannie is the CEO of Dynamism Leadership. She helps business bosses show up as their badass self, which I love that. We're going to talk about that. She helps them build and retain dream teams and earn massive profits. Um, So I'm super excited to uh, speak with Jeannie today. Jeannie, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Will. This is my honor to be here. So because we are a revolution of interdependence, we always ask every guest one question as a start off, which is, tell us a story of someone or some group that was the difference maker for you that helped you get here today. So in addition to my mother, not necessarily my parents, but my mother, I can tell you, um, I'm going to start with, we didn't have a lot of money as a family. I was the youngest of six kids. So as my friends were heading off to college out of high school, I was going to go get a full-time job. My, my mother couldn't promote the idea of college because she couldn't pay for it. So it was, she didn't even see it really. It was really discussed as an option. So I get this full-time job right out of high school and the like day one, the people I worked with were like, so you're only here for the summer, right? You're going to be going to college. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to, this is my full-time job. And they thought that was so ridiculous that every day they'd bring in like an application. And I'm like, well, I can't afford that. They're like, well, look at these other options. Like they educated me on college as an option. And I ended up saying, okay, I'll go to the junior college, but I need to work here too. And they were such beautiful people. I worked there for two years and I had a full-time job, full-time school load and full-time social life, right? And they allowed it to happen. They saw me as like a child of theirs or something. They put me under their wing. People had gone to like Boston University or just like, you have too much intelligence to not pursue higher education. So I'm like, okay. So that was kind of where it started. And I, as you were talking or asking me that question, there was a teacher at the junior college who took the extra time he'd he'd say can you meet me tomorrow morning at seven in the morning because we're going to go through your essay writing he was my English teacher and he he, he, every day he would assign me a task and come back the next day because he wanted to see progress he actually and I'm by no means an excellent writer but he taught me how to get my point across in in written word so there's another one and then it doesn't end like it's just they, when you are open to accepting help, help comes your way to move you to the next level. 
at the junior college, I became really close friends with these two women who ended up moving to San Diego State. And so they just assumed when I'm ready to go to get my the rest of my undergrad that I'm coming to them. And I'm right. like, no, 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 I got the associate's degree, I'm good. And they're like, no, same thing. Here's the application, here's student loans, here's how you can survive on a grant, here's all this. We have a room for you in San Diego, which is how I moved from LA to San Diego. So it's, it's continually people reaching down or out, maybe not down, to pull you along in maybe a direction that you didn't even realize that was where you should be going. So call it the universe, call it great friends, call it people who see something in you that maybe you don't see in yourself, confidence boosters, you name it. When somebody reaches out, reach up and grab their hand, embrace what they have to give you. And you're going to be amazed at what comes your way. And the last part, because it all ties kind of closes up this education loop is I ended up getting a, a full-time job outside of college and, and I was kind of bored a little. So I asked my manager if they would cover the expense for a master's degree. And they said, no one has ever asked that before. And this is the first time now I'm soliciting I want to go to school. It's not someone else pushing me in the door of the gates, right? Or the gates. So they came back and said they would pay for it 100% upfront. So again, people believing in me. And of course, I, I better get straight A's for the first time ever to prove to them that their, their investment was worth it. And so again, like just be open to receive and you'll be amazed, amazed at what comes your way. I love those stories. That is beautiful. There wasn't one person, there was a ton. <laughs> it yeah. takes a, a village, right? It does, it does. And that's the amazing thing. When we start to unpack these stories, we're like, oh my gosh, there was a whole cast of characters that that contributed to my hero's journey. It may be my journey, but there was a whole bunch of people on that journey that helped me get here. So, so many, so many. Yeah. And, you know, we can talk about another one. And I know we have a lot, you have a lot of questions for me. He has since passed away, but he was my financial advisor, but he was more than that. He, after my dad passed away, he became kind of a father figure and he was like, why don't, what do you, what are you passionate about? I go, I'd love to like run my own business. He's like, why don't you? I go, well, human resources doesn't do that. They need to be on a W2 in a corporate office. He's like, why? So he challenged me to that, which I was like, in 2005, I'm like, why not? So then I started saying that exactly. Why not? So I yeah. help my clients do the same thing. Like if you're passionate about something, you have a dream about something, don't start saying why, start saying, why not you? Yeah. If not you, someone else is going to take it the spot. It should be you, right? So there's been uh, a lot of people. I love Crazy. those stories. Yeah, it's, it's so great. And, and um, I'll transition into the work you do this way. So I didn't know you were the youngest of six. That's not a normal conversation com uh, topic that comes up. I'm also the youngest of six. So I, I kind of know what it's like to grow it up in that big family and to really try to like, like, who am I? What is this thing that I belong to? And I know in some of your work you do, you do around sort of helping clients create a culture of trust. Yeah, and so I'd yeah. love to dive deep into that because I, I work with large organizations, mostly, mostly tech companies and you know, this idea of trust, people think, well, I'm showing up for a paycheck or maybe maybe I sort of resonate with the values of the company, but I don't necessarily 
trust everybody there. Talk to us about this idea of creating a culture of trust, because I think it's absolutely critical. So many of the problems we're seeing right now didn't come up during the pandemic. They came, the pandemic just simply unearthed these issues of trust that we already have. So how do you work with clients to do that? Yeah, it's interesting that you say the um, pandemic really unsurfaced these things because they were always there and people were tolerating it. And then when they saw this opportunity of doing things differently, it was really like, okay, I'm not going to tolerate that anymore. So trust has to go both ways. You have to create an environment where your staff can trust you and you have to, you have to um, trust them. So you are empowering them to do the job that you hired them to do. How many times I can, oh, my mom would say, if you had a penny for every time, right? Whatever, you'd be rich. So how many times have I seen leaders hire individuals thinking, oh, they're the top 10%, they're amazing, A player, and then they don't let them do the job they hired them to do. So you have to trust them to get the job done. You have to communicate your needs, wants, desires, expectations. And I think that that's the biggest problem is leaders only communicate what they think their staff can handle or should hear. Or there's some people who I've worked with who, if I hold the information, I have the power. That does not fly anymore at all. I've never did, but more people are standing up for it, right? standing up against it. So communicate what the end result looks like. And you can say things like, you know, when I did it, this is it, this, and this is what this, here's really the goal of what we expect of this task or project. This is what it needs to be. How would, how are you going to do it? So empower them to think and do on their own there you anybody in any organization worth keeping can hold the can handle the job let them do it and then your job is to make time for them uh, these one-on-ones visit with me once a week the first you know ever so many minutes whatever you need or that individual needs this is your time what do you need from me what can i do to help you do a better job that servant leadership from the 80s right it's it's what, what obstacles can I move? What do you need? What's in your way? What's keeping you from succeeding? And then let them, let them do it. Let them bring the problems to you. I think you'll be totally amazed at what they actually bring to your attention. When you sit back and let them run the show, let them own it. They need to own it. They need to feel they're adding value and they're being valued. Right. That's hugely important. So then poke holes in the process, peer in and see how how they're doing Then ask those empowering questions to get the answers that you need for you and them to be successful. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, I dig the reference to servant leadership, the old Robert Greenleaf book, which is should still be required reading today. I mean, an amazing, amazing book. But that, yes. So that's the structure of how you do it. How do you get underneath that? Like, because... What at least in, with the the C-suite individuals that I work with, it's often true that they say they will espouse trust. The tr- the word trust will come out of their mouth, but they don't necessarily show trust. And and by by contrast, uh, even sort of teaching uh, workers and, and employees to trust, like 
how do you, what's the, what are some of the ways you can get to actually building that culture of trust, not just the structures of it? You can't be trusted until you know who you are and you know your staff. You have to make that connection. You have to have a deep rooted relationship and connection with them to trust, right? Yeah. So how do you do that? You get to know them. You ask them questions. You actually, you as a leader have to genuinely care about them more than an, them just being an employee. You have to care about them as a whole person. And right. if you don't, you need to either get coaching, counseling or something so that you start doing that. Because I, I actually admire my, the leaders I work with, C-level leaders that I work with who say, but I don't. Cause they're at least being, they're being honest with me. Right. And now I can trust what they're saying. Okay. So, but in order to move your business from here to here and actually have your staff have that sense of belonging, that sense of inclusion, that sense of, of connection with you, you're going to have to. So let's start working these little steps to get there. So mm -hmm. one way to do it, I have you and I will, we have a weekly meeting. It's 30 minutes every week, Tuesday at nine. So starting this week, Will, from nine to 908, it's all you. Talk about whatever you want, whatever you want since the last meeting. So if, if you wanna talk about, you got your car painted, let's talk about getting your car painted, whatever it is. Because anything like that, you get to know the person. Like for example, had I not shared I'm the youngest of six, you would have never known that. Right. I yep. don't know many youngest of six. So now right. you and I have this connection that I would have never known. And you get me at a different level because I shared that. So leaders, you have to share and you also have to allow your staff an opportunity to share. So yes. ask them and, and, and you can just lay it out on the table. Hey, I know we've worked together for two years. I know I've been nothing about business, nothing but business. I want to start making changes. I want to create an environment of trust. Lay out what you want to do. Lay out your goals. Now, I think this might work. Do you think that would work? Co-collaborate with them on a solution. But when you're being vulnerable and showing up and saying, hey, this is, I, I think I didn't do it right before, but I want to start doing making changes. And I need your help because as a team, as a, a co-collaborator, as a interdependent individual i need you as much as you need me yeah. lay it out there and i think yeah. a lot of c-level people are afraid to do that and that's where i help them a lot i'm like well what are you afraid of yeah. how cool would it be if you got to know that you know his favorite color is blue because he painted his car blue whatever like what whatever right. it is it could be as simple as that or a lot more and i and a lot of ceos have been and i'll speak from my hr perspective have been raised don't ask some personal questions you don't want to know there's a certain there's a super fine line sure you know get That's to perfect. know them and this is what i say find out what ticks them off and what makes them tick oh i love that and yeah. you know what share the same share what ticks you off and what makes you tick you know what, Will? I am not, this is just an example because it's opposite of what I am. I am not a morning person. So when you greet me in the parking lot, when I'm trying to carry all, carry all my stuff in, I'm still trying to figure out what, um, when my, when I get my first sip of coffee. So that's not a good time to talk to me, but you know right. what? At nine 30 is awesome. 
So right. like, and, and what, and what works for you, Will, when's the best time for you to, to like, really, do you shine in the morning or do you love to like meet after lunch and meet them where they are? That is so important. Right. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. But that takes a certain a mindset. And I know you've done a lot of work and thinking about, about the mindset of a successful leader. So I want to drill down on that because a lot of what I see, I, I first of all, amen to everything you've said. I mean, so couldn't agree, so couldn't agree more. But that really does involve this, a certain a leader who's willing to take on a certain mindset. How do you work with your leaders to create that mindset so that they become this successful, badass, intense leader? I ask them what part of their life, what part of their job do they, are they struggling with the most? Are they most challenged with? And almost every time it's the, the working with people, like all the staff, like it's, there's, there's always something. Well, what if it looked like this? What right. it, so we have, we go through these vision exercises. Like what if, what is, what if it could look like this? What it, would you be willing to do the steps to get there? And it's you, people don't change overnight. There's a, there's a lot of work to do, but if you want something bad enough, you'll do it. You can do it. So it's you, to your whole, the revolution of interdependence, you cannot run a business on your own. Right. And then it's, it's solo businesses are really boring. Like people certainly, you know, you can't, right. you can't, so, so you need them. They need you. What if you could take it from like here to here? You know that book. You probably read this one too. Good to great. Oh yeah, yeah. It's These on are my shelf. Books on my bookshelf right in front of me. Right. So it's if you could, it's pretty good. I have this relationship. It's pretty good. What if you had this outstanding relationship right. based right. on trust and understanding and connection, a sense of belonging? I know one hundred percent. I would bet my entire retirement on the fact that if you had committed staff members, your revenue is gonna go up exponentially, no right. doubt. Um, back in 19, well, whatever it was, 98, I started at the software company and we ended up, that was, we sold it to Macromedia who sold to Adobe. And in 2005, that's when I went out on my own. So it was kind of my last big W2 job. And right. I, I know, exactly how it works and I know what you need to do it's not easy it's a lot of work it's like anything any relationship we have with our significant other it doesn't come easy you always have to work at it even right. with your relationship with your dog you have to train you know you got to work with them you got to take them for a walk or they drive you crazy right yeah. so yeah. in any relationship it takes work but you just have to start somewhere and and the little, the little baby steps you do today, just a little bit more tomorrow, tomorrow, and pretty soon it becomes natural for you. That's how you start switching that whole mindset around. And it really starts with the thoughts that come in your head into the amygdala. Right. And if you are conscious enough of what's important to you, your core values, you can keep it from pushing down into reaction mode and you push it up to your frontal cortex and respond the way you want. When you start doing that in every single incident of your life, at the grocery store, the car in front of you, who I don't know, why is he stopped at a red light, a, a green light? Cause he's on his phone. Like, you don't know, maybe he's dealing with someone sick, right? Right. Switch that way of thinking, you'll start showing up differently. Yeah, I love that. But it takes time. 
And you have to walk people through that. I guess um, my, my follow-up question to that is how can you help? Because lead because we're gonna, I mean, use this as a bridge to talking about emotional intelligence, which I know you do a lot of work on, but how do you get leaders to understand the value of taking that time to really making the long-term commitment to being a new kind of leader, not just acting a slightly different way, changing a, you know, tweaking a thing or here, but really being a new kind of leader. How do you invite them into that journey? So there's a couple different things. One, some really good hardcore talks, some great questions from someone like me that are, they're open-ended and really get the person talking about their feelings and their emotions. And then there's tons of assessments that Mm -hmm. you can actually give some raw data to. And one of them is the energy leadership index that I am certified to administer and debrief. And it talks about what happens to your energy when you get stressed versus when you're you're in your perfect situation, which is really rare, but you're with your friends at a dinner party and you're functioning up here at a level five or six, everything's fantastic. And then what happens at work when you're under stress? Because I know another employee relation issue, you drop down to a one or two and start reacting in ways that it's survival mode. So it's so assessments give Rhonda and that energy leadership index is all about attitude. It's all about attitude and how you show up. And that particular, I don't say this very often over the span of my career when it comes to an assessment, but that one was life-changing. It was eye-opening for me. What happens under stress and how we react? I wasn't even aware of it. And I, in order to be um, certified to debrief, I had to be debriefed five times on the same, by five different people. So I had five different perspectives on my data. That was very fascinating and eye-opening. And I like to start my coaching programs with that assessment because it just gives some different type of data for the leader to see, oh my gosh, you're right. That's exactly what happens. Yeah, yeah. And it's striking to me, I'm sure when you started in the HR field, we weren't you weren't talking a lot about things like energy leadership. Is that is that fair to say? Fair to say. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been three decades of human resource, human-centric type work, specifically right. in HR roles. Um, right. up in well, it's been about you know, a good 25 years. And so yeah, probably the last five, seven years, it's been definitely been a lot more about the emotions, the feelings, the senses that of, of, of um, sense of belonging, that type of thing. Yeah, it's, all, that's, it's a new turn, but I love it. I think it's very healthy for the world of work, of right. which my, my plan is to change the world of work one leader at a time. I and it's that. simply allowing leaders to connect with themselves deep enough that they can allow themselves to connect with their staff. And you can't do that until you figure out who you are. Right. And I don't know how many leaders I've worked with who show up every day in a manner that they, it doesn't really, they don't love it. They do it because they thought that that's how they're going to get promoted. That's how they're going to get be successful. They, that's the way that so-and-so leader showed up and that's their, their role model. But when they go home at night, they're like, Man, that didn't feel good. That didn't feel good. Right. 
Right. Have you seen have you seen the show on Apple called Severance? No. So the central premise is people who get a chip put into their brain so they don't remember anything at work when they're at home and they don't remember anything from home when they're at work. I have to check this out because yeah, it's on has, it's on Apple. Yeah. I'm going to check that out because I used to joke around about um, I had this job. It was the head of HR and right. it was in La Jolla. And I would drive into an underground parking lot, park my car, and I would get right before I got on the elevator in the parking lot underneath, I'd put my like corporate hat on, fake hat. <laughs> and then I'd go up, be all professional and serious. Yeah. And then I would put my take my hat off and throw it in the trunk and go to happy hour. Right. And, and I was just like, <laughs> what is wrong with this? What is wrong with this picture? Like, because right. I thought that's what you did. You know, yeah. you, you yes. showed up so professional. And the yeah. beauty is, you know, I was like, it didn't, I was able to recognize that it didn't feel right. I, I'm going to check out this movie because that's, that's a good yeah. reference to, that's unfortunate because I, I think where the world is evolving, leaders that true solid leaders like gary ridge from um wd40 do you know him he's i don't yeah i met him in person and i was just like oh my goodness that's you are the incredible leader yeah. he's an incredible leader um they're showing up like we've been talking about their whole self yeah. treating people not just as an employee and what you can offer the organization, but as a whole. And yeah. the a lot of leaders, many leaders, I'm not going to say they're, they're afraid, like if I let them show up as themselves in the work environment, we're never going to get anything done. And it's actually quite opposite. Right. The more that you let them be whole, they're going to give way more. You know, we were talking about that earlier, how what the commitment they're going to have to you if they feel they belong there and right. all they want to do is add value and be valued. Right. So what in and, and that you have to have trust be in to, and as the foundation in order to feel that. I love that. How tell me, I'd love to hear about your journey because you, you I'm sure you could have kept going up the uh, the ladder of corporate HR. I'm sure if you were at that level, you you certainly had offers and opportunities to keep going in the corporate HR space. What what was your journey? I know you mentioned your financial advisor yeah. who sort of said, no, you could do this if you wanted to, but that there was a bunch of things that happened before that. So I'd love to hear about your journey to to being a sole, you know, to to being the CEO of your own organization and not working for somebody else. Yep. Um so there were a lot of things leading up to it. And I would just kind of put them in a bucket, put them in a bucket, put them in a bucket. And there were some fascinating to say the, I don't even know how to describe some of the incidents I was involved in. And I did, I was, I, I climbed the ladder from HR clerk to vice president of HR. And when I got there and there's a whole story, um, about my very first board meeting. And if we have time, I'll share that specifically. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I, when I got there, it wasn't what I expected. Yeah. It wasn't where I could come home, lay my head at night and feel good about the good things I was doing. I was asked to do things that were unethical. They mm. were not fair and consistent. 
They weren't treating humans like humans. They just weren't. They were, it was all business. And what, what can I shove in my pocket? Greed. And I'm not saying everyone, I'm not even going to ever going to say any names, but I experienced some things where I'll give you an example. One CEO, I had this stack, we called them personnel action notices. And they were a stack of earned bonuses for going above and beyond. These were like bigger, like higher end bonuses for their MBOs. And he said, I'm not going to sign those, but I want you, I was a counter signature. So he goes, I want you to sign off on my bonus, knowing the budget didn't support both. And I was, I said, no, I said, no, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Get someone else to sign it. That is not what we do. That is not how you run a business. That is not cool. Period. So there were incidents like that, that happened. And I, I, I could have continued down that path, stuff in my pockets with money, you know, and I just decided, you're not going to live with myself. I am more caring of individuals than that. I can't do it. So I, I went out on my own. And interestingly enough, you as a consultant, and I've been doing this now for almost 18 years, right? you there's something just different about you showing up off the W-2, even for the same company. It's, it's crazy. I know. You yep. days about that. And yep. so, <laughs> so you partner in a different way with the right. same level of people right. and your input is received differently. Yeah. And so I love it. I love the freedom. I love, you know, but it, it got to the point really that I reached deep down in my soul and was like, you know what? I would rather work. So my story, do, are we out of time or do you have? No, my... we, no, we got time. Yeah, please. So um, my very first board meeting, um, I'm super thrilled. One, HR is being resent, um, represented at the big table. Right. I am the youngest one and the only female. This is so cool. I finally made it. I'm going to a board meeting. So cool? I, I get my, all my stuff ready. You know, everything's like ready. It's amazing. Right. I'm so perfect to go in. I walk in the most senior board member walks over to me and says, I would like a cup of coffee. And I was like, what? 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 Like, I knew exactly what he was doing. Luckily, okay, youngest of six, you have to think fast. You're quick-witted. You have to come. You have to know your plan B. There's all these things you got to do. Here it is. True test of time. So I have seconds to realize here, the, here goes the thoughts into my amygdala. I can react and I can go, oh shit, I'm going to get fired. I better make him a cup of coffee. Or I can teach this man how to fish and he'll never have to be hungry for a cup of coffee and ask someone like me to do it again. So what do I do? <laughs> I grab his hand and I'm not kidding. I'm like, holy shit, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired. <laughs> but I got to tell you, if I'm going to be a barista, I'm going to do it on my terms. That's right. I'm going out on my terms. I'm literally skipping him out of the room. Right. And I, the whole, I'm not kidding. I have like sweat pouring down my back, but I'm like, stick to your plan, Jimmy, stick to your plan. Right. You, right. Your value of respect is not going to be compromised. No way. You're sticking up for yourself and every single other person that looks like me coming into this spot. So I teach him, I'm walking step-by-step through the, you know, the, the coffee machine thing. Right. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my God. So 
he, I see his face going from like disbelief. He was angry, frustrated to like, damn, I think I like this girl. My own coffee. Look at me, big boy. <laughs> right. And I'm like, and here's the stir. I mean, I'm going through every step. Right. So then I, I, I did. I thought the CEO was going to pull me as soon as we're headed back in the room. He's gonna be like, okay, this isn't for you. Smart ass. Right. So um, instead, this particular board member started saving a seat for me. He started stopping. This is what used to happen. And it still happens. It's unfortunate. But as a female in a meeting like that, if I brought up an idea, nobody would hear it. And then right. Joe would bring up the exact same word for word. And they go, great idea, Joe. I know. And I'd be like, um, didn't I just say that? Like, it's the weirdest right. damn thing that used right. to happen. Maybe it still happens. Hopefully not. It's, so yeah. um, he started saying, wait, hold on, Joe. Jeannie just said that, but nobody listened to her. And I was like, holy cow. HR has really won a seat at the table. Right. And oh, because that guy wanted a cup of coffee. <laughs> so he would say, he would wait. He'd ask me my opinion. I really right. was adding value and feeling valued now. But I had to stick up for my core value of respect, draw the line, risk yep. my job. Sure. But it was worth it to me. Yeah. And, and, and you know what? I was okay if the CEO came to me that day and fired me because my plan B was to go to Starbucks and become a barista, but it would have been on my terms, right? And so that was a huge turning point. And I'm not kidding. Shortly after that, I'm like, I don't really want to play in the sandbox with you guys. Right. <laughs> it's not very fun. I love it. So I could, to answer your question, I could have kept going, but I also thought, you know what? Life is short. Yep. I need the balance. I need to be able to schedule my own. I don't want to be eight to five at the same company every day, Monday through Friday. I like variety. I love meeting new people. I know I love learning about new products and new, new challenges and organizations. And so it was, it was the perfect time for me to transition. I love it. Well, Jeannie Morbitt-Smith, this has been an amazing conversation, a lot of fun. And I know people, because of listening to you, are going to want to connect with you, figure out how to work with you, or find out more of your stuff that you're working on. So how do people find you in, in this world that we live in? The best way is to go to the, the website. It's Dynamism Leadership, D-Y-N-A-M-I-S-M, leadership.com. On there, you can actually click on the calendar and book a, a call with me if you'd like. And all the other social links are there too. So whatever you're into, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, it's all the links are there. So that's probably the best way to get a hold of me. I love it. Jeannie, thank you. This has been a great conversation. Thank you for your presence. Yeah, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun chatting with you. All right. Thanks to everyone who joined me today. You can learn more about Jeannie at dynamismleadership.com. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did enjoy it, can you share it with one person in your world today? And that will help me get the word out. And if you like what you heard here, you can sign up for my weekly insights. It's just a short bit of wisdom that comes out once a week. So just head over to willsampson.com and sign up for the newsletter. You can follow me on social media. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at willsampsonchangecoach. And please hit the subscribe button below to be notified of the latest episodes. Thanks, everyone, and I will see you next time on the Revolution of Interdependence podcast.